0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, we dig deep into a fascinating and divisive case about critical race theory. On this week's edition of Full Measure, I decided to tackle a very controversial topic, critical race theory. I've been thinking about it for a long time, ever since there's been so much coverage on the news, obviously very divisive, very political, and there are a lot of ways you can tackle a story like that. I didn't want to do it really in a political sense with looking at the politics behind it, so much of that is already being done. I decided not to do a whole piece on the origins, where did it really start, but instead I decided to look at a specific case in Loudoun County, Virginia. You've probably heard about that a little bit on the news. It's one of the places where this has really reached a fever pitch in terms of the controversies. And we're not even going to debate in the story whether critical race theory is being taught, whether it should be taught. A lot of that's also going on. You've already seen that on the news trying to do something a little bit different. Instead, you'll hear both sides in a debate in a place that kind of seems an unlikely place as a hotspot over critical race theory, Loudoun County, Virginia. And I learned something I thought was pretty interesting. I have not dug deeply into the George Soros rabbit hole, the notion that this liberal philanthropist and activist who's spent billions and billions of dollars around the world For progressive causes, the idea that he is somehow pulling strings everywhere. But I did learn that that comes into play in a way in the Loudoun County debate. This is a county that I think traditionally had long been a red or Republican county, but is really in a transition period. The school board there was flipped from Republican to Democrat not long ago, and some key officials switched out from Republican to Democrat in recent elections, including the Commonwealth attorney. I think that's called like the state's attorney in some other places. Well, that person figures into this debate in a way that you'll see in the story, Sunday on Full Measure. And that person was largely put into office by funding almost exclusively from George Soros organizations. And I learned, some of you may already know this, that that happened. It's not just a conspiracy theory. In Numerous places where big Soros money coming from out of town put key officials into office. And as this tone has changed in a county that used to be more Republican in terms of their public officials, of course, there are different priorities and agendas. And this critical race theory discussion has really boiled over there. It kind of came to light, um, I think it was happening a little bit under the table, but came to light amid a controversy that came about the same time as you may have seen on the news. A video was circulated online that showed an advanced high school class taking place on Zoom because of COVID that was recorded in which a teacher showed a photograph of a black student and a white student, girls, and asked the students in the class to describe what they saw. And when one student refused to say he saw them as black and white and simply said, He saw them as two people chilling. This teacher almost berated the student and tried to force him to say that he saw that these students were different because of race. And the student countered with the idea that, doesn't that really play into the notion of seeing people only as race and not as who they are? And in a way, those two philosophies we saw in this videotape or this tape that was leaked out, that kind of sums up the critical race theory debate as far as I can tell. Critical race theory teaches and wants people to look at race, sometimes almost exclusively, in determining a lot of factors as to how things should work and how things should be. Whereas the other side tends to be more along the lines of the Martin Luther King Jr. school of thought, do not look at people on the basis of their race, but the content of their character. And that's really clashing in a big way in a lot of places. And some of the controversy is, well, are we officially teaching critical race theory in schools no we're not but then you learn that the teachers as in this video that was distributed that i'm referring to they're using critical race theory thought and tactics in their classrooms so it may be true that it's not part of the official curriculum but they're getting training in how to work and incorporate this into their classroom teachings and that's become very controversial A few interesting demographic points about Loudoun County. It is, year after year, considered the wealthiest county in the United States. And over time, it has become, in very large part, a minority-rich population. In fact, uh, the school officials in Loudoun County told me that there are more minorities cumulatively than whites in schools. Outside of school for the county at large, I believe the white population is something like 54%, so minorities number close to half. Interestingly, we're not talking about blacks. The black population is not huge in Loudoun County. It's primarily Asian and Hispanic when we're talking about minorities. In the podcast today, you're going to hear from two people I interviewed for the story. I won't say they're exactly on different sides because the sheriff, Mike Chapman in Loudoun County, didn't take a side, although he's probably one of the last or only Republicans left in Loudoun County in elective office, but he was tasked with a criminal investigation that involved critical race theory. You'll hear about why that is. Maybe the only criminal investigation involving criminal race theory, certainly the only one I found in the United States. Very interesting case, part of why I profiled it. And then after that, you will hear from the school board superintendent, Dr. Scott Ziegler, Now he is not personally responsible for or does not control the behavior of the elected school board members, but of course he speaks for the school system. And you'll get to hear his side as I ask him about his thoughts on critical race theory and some of the controversies surrounding school board members. So first, you're going to hear from Sheriff Mike Chapman. Before we go into some details of this investigation, if people are not familiar at all with what's been going on here in Lownden County when it comes to this whole dispute. What would you say it's the story of if you were writing like the flap cover on a book about it or something?
1: Well, I would say it's a story of, uh, it's interesting because it's been all over the news, uh, national news, I think we're ground zero on this particular story, but what it has to do is with uh, what's going on with in the educational system here in Loudoun County and the resistance to uh, to what is being taught uh, in the educational system. So it has to do with basically the teaching of critical race theory. The uh, superintendent might term it something else, but all the documentation that we've seen on it has to do with critical race theory, which basically teaches that uh, there's institutional bias uh, that's in favor of white folks, and that uh, that you know uh, African Americans are specifically targeted and uh, and and oppressed by by uh, by white people, and then you have a, a group that's vehemently disagrees with that and that that premise being taught in the schools, and what you have right now because of that is. a is a huge conflict within the county.
0: Before you started investigating the case, had you heard about this conflict? Were you familiar with this brewing?
1: Uh, Not really, I mean, I knew, I I started hearing about this concept of critical race theory uh, and uh, did not realize exactly what was going on with the schools, my youngest daughter had graduated three years earlier, so it really wasn't anything that that I was aware of or paying much attention to, and it just sorta kinda Uh, creeped up, kind of evolved. And I think what happened for the most part, the reason that a lot of this, this teaching, this information came out about what was being taught in the schools really had to do with the pandemic and and parents being able to see what was being taught in the classrooms uh, or actually online because their kids were at home as a result of the pandemic. So they could see what was going on with the teachers. And and obviously uh, when that started coming to light had a lot of concerns and questions about
0: this. When your office got the call about a case to investigate, can you kind of go through when someone was briefing you and was telling you what was going on, what was that like, what were they saying?
1: So the group, uh, there was a a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group that had about 600 members or so to it, Uh, and and it was a group that was called the Anti-Racist Parents of Loudoun County. That was started in September, 2020. And that was basically to promote and facilitate this idea of, of uh, inequity, uh, you know, between uh, mostly between uh, whites and African Americans, but just uh, uh, people of color, other people of color. So, so from from September to December, there really wasn't much going on in that until in September when the when the school system hired. Uh, a firm to come in and, and look into racial disparities and institutional bias and then they also hired an equity collaborative. So they spent a half a million dollars to hire this group to look at inequities in, 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 the, in the teaching of, uh, of this particular topic and then they also hired yet another person to, uh, to facilitate that as well. And that's I think when things started really starting to move along and then and this particular group was really trying to promulgate this idea of, of critical race theory, uh, and they referred to it. The reason I'm referring to it as critical race theory is because that's what they refer to it in in all their emails and everything, or or their, all their Facebook posts that they had there. So they're they're promulgating this thing, and then it, it's not until March of uh, 2021 20, uh, that uh, that we end up getting reports on you know people that are saying hey wait a minute it looks like they're targeting us they're trying to identify people that don't agree with this premise and they want to try to expose who we are identify harass us and that sort of thing
0: so there's a facebook group of people we don't know at this point who they are promoting the ideas behind critical race theory that's right that is now targeting parents who disagree with teaching that.
1: That's right. So there was an active uh, there, there was an active effort on the part of the people that were part of this anti-racist Parents of Loudon County to target people that didn't agree with them. Okay, and, and uh, these weren't people that were part of the group. They were people that they were just kind of identifying on their own that that disagree that they felt would disagree with their particular position. In fact, when we did the investigation, we called these folks. Most of these people were in disagreement with the online learning. There were some that, did, that came out and said, no, I disagree with the critical race theory, but a lot of them were, were really complaining more about the online problem and not their kids not going to school than, than really complaining about the critical race theory.
0: How is it that, well, first of all, when they say, when some people felt they were being targeted, what does that mean?
1: They felt uh, uh, that they were that they were going to be exposed, that their identities were going to be exposed because on Facebook and a lot of these are pseudonyms. They don't really have their actual names or aliases that they use on Facebook. And uh, some people actually use their real name. Some people don't. But the people that didn't were, were concerned that they were going to be harassed, that they were going to be threatened uh, from this group just because they disagreed with what uh, with what the the group was you know was talking about. And so that's that's really where that complaint came in and that's when we started looking into like you know do we have a crime here are these folks being targeted and and it became a little complex for us as to try to get to the bottom of this with regards to the you know of Virginia statutes and even federal law and I couldn't really go to my commonwealth uh, attorney because she was part of this group so I couldn't even I couldn't even get legal advice from our-, our She was
0: part of which group
1: She was part of the anti-racist parents of Loudoun County that was looking to, um, you know, go after, if in, in lack of a better term, the people that disagreed with, with what they believed in. So it's, it's to me, I, I think it's, what they're trying to do is stifle, this group had, had their agenda and what they wanted to do was stifle anybody who disagreed with them, you know, and in, in some way or another try to go after them, expose them infiltrate their group. They were trying to collect money in order to try to do a better job at promoting what their side of the story was the anti-parents of, uh, anti-racist parents of Loudoun County. Uh, and, uh, and they wanted to go after people that were anti-CRT. So there's a lot of anti-this and anti-that. So it's, it's kind of hard to differentiate, but the anti-racist parents of Loudoun County wanted to, wanted to expose the people that were uh, anti-critical race theory publicly so that they could basically, I think it was probably to humiliate them, but, uh, but it, it, it never really got that far.
0: Is that a criminal matter? I, I'm assuming the parents who felt they were targeted, one or some of those are the ones who filed the complaint.
1: Yeah, it, it it well we looked into it and there's I mean we looked into threats we looked into harassment we looked into what what the elements of all those different crimes would be and whether or not they met the threshold so we couldn't go to our commonwealth's attorney uh, because there was a conflict of interest there so we had to look and go to outside uh, attorneys and I even went to a federal attorney uh, to see if there was anything on the federal side that we might be able to charge these folks with and uh, and what happened was you had so you had the group that was like the anti-racist parents of Loudon County that were that were targeting the anti-CRT group, and uh, and so the, the communications started getting a little tense back and forth, but nothing really uh, nothing really rose to the to the level of or met the threshold of what we needed to do any kind of a criminal charge on this, and we were. Constantly looking for legal advice on this. Well, this was said and that was said, and what about this? We're like, well, you really don't have this element or that element. It was really we felt it didn't make the threshold for us to charge. And by the way, the charges would just be misdemeanor charges anyhow. So, if they're misdemeanor charges and it's something that's not you know committed in our presence, even though we're doing an investigation, anybody who believes that that uh, that there was um, a criminal charge in there. Uh, can certainly take that report and go, or they uh, and go to a magistrate and try to get a warrant, or they can actually pursue it civilly as well. So we, were, we went ahead and did everything we could. We felt on that investigation and really got down to it. And the Investigation was extensive. They contacted dozens of people to find out what was said, what they thought, whether they were, uh, whether they were specifically being targeted, what their what their complaint was with was a criminal, was it the was it the uh, anti-racist. A group that they were going after or were anti uh, anti CRT, or were they upset more upset about the fact that you had all this online schooling going? So there was an extensive amount of work that was done on this because we wanted to see if there was any kind of a any kind of a chargeable crime on this. And so uh, with all that work that we did, uh, we really couldn't we didn't feel we met the threshold that was required uh, to, to to do the charge. But we went ahead and we concluded the report and certainly when a, a report investigation is concluded, people can then FOIA get a freedom of information and get that report themselves and then they can make a determination whether they want to go after somebody for any kind of thing uh, civilly that might have been said or something that might have damaged their reputation or or anything that they feel might be a criminal charge, but it would be their job to then convince a magistrate that that, that happened, uh, that there was enough probable cause there. To, to criminally charge somebody for that.
0: Have you heard anybody plans to do that?
1: Uh, no, not yet. The report was just released pretty recently, and I believe we've had a couple uh, freedom of information requests, yours being one of them, uh, on, on that. And um, But I haven't seen anything with regards to any, anybody you know yet trying to use that report to take any kind of legal action on anybody.
0: Who did you find out were the people on this anti-racism Facebook group that was allegedly targeting parents?
1: So, uh, the, so you had the,
0: uh, and Instead of CRT, uh, let's say critical race theory just for to make it even plainer.
1: So they, the group that was the anti-racist parents of Latin County, they, I guess, talked to each other and tried to determine who they thought would be people that they wanted to target. And whether it was to target them to, Change their minds about this, or to try to get them on their side, or whether it was to to call them out and harass them and expose them. Uh, that was they were the the folks that were part of this group that were part of this closed group that was self. They were by communicating with themselves. They were identifying who they thought in the community uh, would be good people to to go after. But who are they? That's the that's the group. That that's, I mean
0: the names. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well you have so what you have as far as the anti-racist parents of Latin County what you have in that that group you have you have members of the community you have you have members of the community to include at least one of our uh, board supervisors you had uh, uh, members of the school board you had teachers that were part of that group that were trying to like I said promulgate the uh, the critical race theory mindset and and the education of people about institutional, racism and, and the oppression uh, that, that uh, African-Americans sustained as a result of white oppression and all this sort of thing. And so that's, that, they were the ones who were identifying, took the time to try to identify amongst themselves who they felt would be opposed to that line of thinking. And so what they did was they decided to, to then identify, try to identify these people. And we got list of the list of the names and then we would call these people and say, Hey, you've been identified by this group. What are your thoughts on this or that? And uh, like I said, most of those people said, "Hey, we don't, you know, we really don't know necessarily what's even being taught there, but we were more upset. Well, there was something that did, but there, most of them were just like, hey, we just don't like this online schooling that's going on.' So it's really kind of a, it's kind of a mix of a lot of things going on here.
0: Have you ever been involved in an investigation before that has these components with? officials from the school board and government and so on forming sort of a secretive or anonymous Facebook group targeting supposedly people who live in the community?
1: Not like this, okay, so I've been in this business for 43 years, okay, and I've, you know, and basically I look at when when we're doing these investigations, we don't take a side, okay, we look at is there a violation of law and what do we need to keep the peace and is there a violation of law? What I'm seeing here in recent history is that um, there's social agendas that are now controlling or attempting to control law enforcement entities. And fortunately for Loudoun County, I'm elected official and I answer to everybody out there. I don't answer to any particular group. I'm not responsive to any particular group. Uh, you know, we, we take in all kinds of information and we try to do everything that we can you know, fair and across the board. Now I'm conservative, I'm a Republican, but I don't don't let my politics enter this. We just try to do everything that we can to to maintain public safety uh, and allow people to express their First Amendment rights. What concerned me about this investigation was that you had people that were, um, wanted to actually expose people that disagree with them who were just exercising their First Amendment rights. So you have people that are targeting folks they, it's okay for them to express what they want to do and, and, and promulgate the critical race theory. But if you disagree with that, we want to target, we want to expose you, and we want to uh, we want to get you out there so people, you know, so maybe identify you as a racist. You know, and so this is this is weird. I've I've never been. I mean, we've always dealt with criminal law. We've I've always dealt with if somebody violates the law. I mean, we have options, which includes arresting people. But I've never I, I've never seen such uh, politically charged uh, concerns come up in law enforcement like they have over the past year uh, you know, you know obviously a lot a lot had to do with George Floyd's death and and, and all that and that really brought a fo- brought a focus on the law enforcement but you have a um, but I, but I've never seen in my lifetime anything like this where we' where legal issues now are becoming social issues. There's this conflation of, of things that really really are kind of independent of each other. And our job is to enforce law and the U.S. Constitution and, and, and try to maintain the peace. That's what we do. And we try to do it impartially. Uh, we want to do it fairly. We want to treat everybody. I mean, we, for example, we've had probably uh, a dozen Black Lives Matter rallies in Loudoun County, okay? And we covered those and uh, just to make sure that peace w- they were peaceful and we had not a single incident of, of any kind of an issue there. We just wanted to make sure that people were allowed to exercise their, their First Amendment rights. So we cover anything that we think could, could create like a, a problem in a community. And, and, uh, and generally we don't have any problems, but we try to get the information regardless, so regardless of what side you're on, just so long as, as anybody who's exercising a First Amendment right can do it peacefully.
0: As a law enforcement professional, these conflicts are now coming up about critical race theory in school systems across the country. What are some of your thoughts, not as a perspective of a parent, but what are some of your thoughts as a law enforcement professional as you see these conflicts arising around the country?
1: I think law enforcement has to stick with what we do, and I think the problem that I see in. in in what I see in a lot of these conflicts, and a lot of this has to do with the nature uh, and the government structure and the nature of the enforcement. So, we're the largest full service sheriff's office in Virginia. I'm elected, even though we have like county police chiefs all around us from Maryland to, you know, here in Northern Virginia, Fairfax, Prince William, and all that. And those particular counties um, are governed by boards of supervisors who, and their chiefs are hired by. Boards of Supervisors, by mayors, by county executives, and they're brought in there, and then there's there's this um, this obligation for the people that hold those jobs to basically answer to the folks that hire them and to be on the same sheet of music, where um, and it really puts a lot of these law enforcement professionals in very awkward situations. I mean, all, you can't look when you look at what happened last year, and you look at Portland and you look at Seattle and these chiefs. As, as educated and as talented was as they are, they can't do their job. They they, they they can't enforce the law because they got mayors saying, no, you're not gonna do this, you're not gonna force this, you're not gonna force that. The beauty of the situation that we have here in Loudoun County is that even though I work with the board, we explain what we're doing, we give them quarterly reports, we give them daily reports on what we're doing, I don't answer to them, I answer to the public in general. And that's that's really where we have such a huge differentiation, and and I think it's it's a great model, honestly, for the nation. I never really thought much about this as I, uh, you know, over the years until really the last couple of years, and I see how important it is to be the direct representative, as your top law enforcement official, of the people you serve, so you're not answering to any particular agenda or particular partisan group or whatever the case is. You you answer to people. So everything that we do here. I've got to make sure that I do it fair and equitably, uh, equally to everybody in the county. And, and that's the way we try to handle ourselves.
0: Can you give me a thumbnail sketch of what the socio-demographic texture of Loudoun County is for people who aren't familiar with this part of Virginia? So we're
1: about uh, about 70% uh, white. Uh, we're about 30% some type of minority. We have about 8% African-American population. Uh, I think the next largest population is um, is the Hispanic population? I don't think it's 12 or 14 percent, and then the remainder is going to be Asian population, which would be anybody from the Middle East to the Far East would be considered uh, the Asian population. So, demographically, 70 percent white, um, and uh, but people seem to like what uh, what we're doing here, and uh, we've. Um, you know, we've our approval ratings are actually they're far greater than the counties themselves. We usually hover in around 90% approval rating from the citizens that we serve. And, uh, and just coincidentally, and you don't have to put this on the, on the camera, but Loudoun now, I was just voted the, the, the favorite public servant of Loudon County here. So, uh, and it's interesting because we have a, uh, we have a, a, a board of supervisors in a county that's merging blue and I'm one of the few standing countywide republicans left so it's it's kind of uh, for me to to find that out last week was like kind of stunning to me you know but but so i think people people well, de-
0: demographically is this county was it republican is it becoming more democrat in nature
1: yeah when i when i was first when i first came on as sheriff the entire board of supervisors was, was republican i ran as a republican and yeah, i still am and the entire Board of Supervisors. Then the next time around, it got a little bit more mixed and now it's majority Democrats, six, three uh, Democrats on the Board of Supervisors. So it has gone, it, it is moving that direction. It's going from what was solid red when I first came on the job to, to majority blue, not solid blue, but majority blue. So um, again, I'm one of the few standing conservatives left, left in the county, countywide. And I would say the success that we have as an agency is because we try to stay away from politics. We just try to do our job. We try to keep the peace and enforce enforce the law. That's what we're charged to do. And we wanna do that just fairly across the board.
0: Is there, this dispute is not over. Is there a lesson in all of this or a takeaway when other people are looking at what's going on in Loudoun County right now? Uh, I and I'm would, focusing mostly on critical race theory.
1: I would say, what, what concerns me is this agenda of, of putting out what you want and, and attacking people that, that don't agree with that. And, and, and it's like everybody has, we have the right to disagree. We have the right to be for one thing or another or for nothing at all. We, have, we all have those rights to do that. And what concerns me about this is this notion that we're, we're facilitating this particular agenda and that if you don't agree with that, we're coming after you, and it, that I don't like, you know, and I mean, it's like, it, w- no matter what side you're on on this, it's like everybody has their right to say what they want. I mean, that's your First Amendment. It's your constitutional right to, ex- to express what you want to express. And, and, I, and I see that this, um, you know, what, what you hear often is cancel culture if you disagree with what what the, the narrative is, what the nat- what the either local or national narrative is, people are gonna attack you and they're gonna call you this they're gonna call you that it's like no you just disagree and you have a right to disagree you have a right to be for something you have a right to be against something that's that's the beauty of this country that's the beauty of the uh, of, our, of our Constitution that gives you those rights to do that and that's what concerns me here when you're talking about law enforcement because now it's getting beyond simply enforcing the law and keeping the peace now now we're getting into these, these positions where you have politicians that are trying to influence where law enforcement stands on these issues and it's really concerning to me. And so, so the, like I mentioned, the benefit that I have is, as an elected official is I don't answer to any of those folks, we answer to the public at large. And anything that we do, uh, it's on me. I mean, I you know, as as an agency, it's on me. If we if we make a mistake, I get all the blame. Okay. Uh, if we do something good, I get the credit. So, it's it's kind of it's kind of an unusual situation, but I but I think it's good because the the citizens have have more of a say in in what's going on, law enforcement wise. Their concerns, we entertain everybody's concern. We respond. I, I get them all the time online, everything else. I get just about every complaint that comes in. So we're, we're always trying to be responsive to the citizens that we serve. So, uh, and it does concern me that, that you have all these political agendas now that are now driving the process of law enforcement and it shouldn't be that way. We need to be able to do our jobs, enforce the law, keep the peace, and use our judgment out there and use our training.
0: You touched on this, but there are some who are saying, no, we're not teaching critical race theory, and that's a fallacy. But you said in documents that you saw that's how they're discussing. What types of things were being said in emails that made you say this is about critical race theory?
1: Well, the fact in the emails that they, they clearly talked about, you know, trying to expose people that disagreed, that were anti-CRT, so they themselves in the documents call critical race theory. Now, the school may You know, superintendent or somebody else may brand it something else and call it something else. Uh, But the catch-all for that is critical race theory, and they use that themselves. You know, within our investigation, within the documents that we saw. So, so they might call it something else now because I think it's the the whole concept of critical race theory is now really get people at a fever pitch, and I think so they're, they may be trying to brand it as something else, but they themselves, the people that were promoting this anti-racist Parents of Loudoun County group, themselves were calling it critical race theory. So that's why I'm calling it critical race theory, because they are, you know, in their documents.
0: After a short break, we'll hear from Loudoun County School Superintendent Scott Ziegler. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Here now is Loudoun County School Superintendent Scott Ziegler. When it comes to the debate and discussions that are happening over critical race theory, what is sort of your overview takeaway that you would want people to know before I get into some specific questions?
2: Sure. So we have been saying loudly and clearly for months that Loudoun County public schools does not teach critical race theory. Um, It's not part of our curriculum. It's not part of um, what we, it's not part of our in-services for teachers, it's just not something that we uh, spend a lot of time with here in Loudoun County Public Schools. Uh, what we do spend time on is looking at our um, issues that we've had in the past. And so I'm sure you know that, that we've had issues in Loudoun County with um, some raci- racially charged incidents um, that we've had to deal with. And so we've had some very tough conversations, we've had some training with our teachers. Um, to show them how to um, better deal with issues of race, to better have conversations with students, um, and to better create a welcoming, affirming, and safe environment for all of our students.
0: We were at the meeting where the scuffle broke out. Can you just describe from your viewpoint, I wasn't there, this crew was there. What was happening there? What happened?
2: Um, Well, there was some, um, some members of the public who came, um, it appeared to me as if they were intent on disrupting the meeting. Uh, there were several smaller disruptions, which the chair uh, very wisely issued, I think three warnings to the audience um, that the decorum of the boardroom would be maintained. Um, and then some individuals uh, decided not to maintain the decorum of the, of the um, boardroom. And as a result, uh, the board chair and the, the entire board decided to move the agenda and end public comment.
0: Um- So you're saying critical race theory is not taught in Loudoun County schools. Do you have an issue with critical race theory? Do you support or oppose it?
2: I don't have any thoughts on really critical race theory at all. Um, Critical race theory is an academic endeavor that is um, reserved for law school. And um, so it's not a topic that we talk about. It's not a topic that I study. Um, We have some of our administrators who have um, studied it as part of their their own personal professional development, um, but it was never brought on board in Loudoun County. Um, so, and I think one of the things that I have noticed is critical race theory in the general public discussion has been turned into this monolith where issues of diversity and equity and um, opportunity are all put under this monolith of critical race theory, and I think it, it's, um, It's sad because it doesn't allow us to have open conversations about our needs in equity and diversity and providing a welcoming, safe and affirming environment for all of our students because critical race theory has been turned into this uh, curse word, if you will, um, that encompasses things that it was never intended to encompass.
0: So um, I looked at, there is a receipt, as you know, like an invoice that shows Loudoun County hired the equity collaborative Mm -hmm and it specifically says on there critical race theory development discussions with Mm -hmm. staff. What is that about?
2: So we have a group of administrators who um, attended a webinar, I'm not sure who put on the webinar, and they heard this term, critical race theory, and they said, I think we need to know more about it. Um, And as I said, it's an academic endeavor. So for an administrator um, to look at something from a purely academic standard is appropriate, and so they uh, enlisted the help of the Equity Collaborative to help them explore that topic as part of their own professional development
0: with taxpayer money.
2: What well with taxpayer money, but it's um, uh, of course it's with taxpayer money. We're a, we're a tax funded school board, but we study a lot of things. Um, our 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 folks go to school. We we do um, all kinds of professional development, but just because uh, a receipt says critical race theory, um, that's not evidence of indoctrination that's not evidence of implementation that's evidence of exploration so we can explore a lot of ideas and uh, we take the ones that are helpful and we reject the ones that are not
0: so it sounds like you're saying if if they were presented with material that was not appropriate for the schools it's not as though that's automatically incorporated into their views exactly and i'm asking that because i looked at the slides of the equity collaborative when i saw this just to see and there are some things on there there's one thing i don't even know what this means it says whiteness can be viewed as a property right. It says things such as white people cannot act in anything other than their own self-interest. It says, judging only by the color of their skin, white people have these certain negative characteristics, which all would seem to be, sorry, <coughs> sort of a standard definition of racism, looking at it that way.
2: So I'm not familiar with the slides that you described, so I, it's difficult for me to react to them. Um, but those ideas that you just said are not, not part of our program here in Loudoun County Public Schools.
0: Why do you think critical race theory has become, as you said, a curse word, such a visceral reaction for so many parents?
2: Um, I think it's largely due to um, the politicalization of issues and um, to distract I think sometimes from um, from real work that's going on, real necessary work that's going on. I know out of the Manhattan Institute, um, I think Chris Rufo is his name, had a statement a while ago, and I'll paraphrase, it won't be exactly right, but he said something like, we need to take everything that we don't like that's going on socially and put it under this umbrella of critical race theory. And so I think, as I said, everything that's been put under that umbrella has been used to, um, to bring emotion, to bring, to rile up a voting base, um, to bring a distraction from other issues. So I think it's been the politicalization of equity work and um, the unfair broadening and application of that term critical race theory.
0: Um, So in this county, how would you describe the state of affairs today or sort of the environment, where do we stand with disputes and discussions over this? I know there's recall efforts underway for some school board members, a criminal investigation just finished with no charges over that whole um, online Facebook you know, group and so on. How would you tell people what's happening in this county right now if you had to t- describe it?
2: So um, what's happening in this county is a lot of good, right? So we have... Um, As you said, you started the interview by saying Loudoun County has become the center of this debate that represents a larger debate in the nation. Um, And it's unfortunate that that news is what makes the news because there's a lot of good things happening in Loudoun County. Um, We were the only school division in the country, I believe, that opened a high school during the pandemic. And that high school came together and became a community even though they were separated by distance. Um, We had a high school, uh, Freedom High School, that graduated 100% of the seniors that started with us in September graduated with us in June. That's unheard of, I've been in education for 30 years, I haven't heard of a 100% graduating class. Um, we're doing great things at the elementary school level, at the middle school level. Um, we have, I think, three or four middle schools that are uh, middle schools of distinction and middle schools to watch, which is a national recognition. So there are good things happening in Loudoun County. Um, and, and when I talk to students, um, they're they're really impressed with the work that we're doing in Loudoun County and they like the direction their school division is heading.
0: Um, I understand and accept that you're saying there's no critical race theory um, academic curriculum going on in the school. The, the sheriff who investigated and came up with no charges against anybody after looking at the Facebook group and so on, he said that the emails from the group, including school board members and so on, that were part of it, specifically discussed. They called it critical race theory, and they wanted to identify parents who were against it, and they wanted to uh, press that agenda, whatever it is. So, are you concerned about that in light of the fact that this is not the agenda you want, you know, in the school in the schools itself being taught to the kids?
2: So, I'm not familiar with the investigation. I'm not familiar with the documents that you've seen. I've never been um, on that group in Facebook, so I really couldn't comment on anything that has to do with that group.
0: Would it be something that should come to your attention if it turns out that there's a strong network of school-related academic people who do wanna press critical race theory at a time when the school system's trying to send the message we're not teaching that?
2: So that's a a conclusion that you're drawing um, based on a group that happens on Facebook totally outside of Loudoun County Public Schools. I think it's an unfair comparison and it's an unfair hypothetical. Because you're saying, hey, this is happening on Facebook, what if it happens in Loudoun County Public Schools? It's not happening in Loudoun County Public Schools. Um, We have a group of dedicated professionals that have really been treated unfairly in the press and demonized in the press. Um, Our staff, our administrative staff, our teachers, our custodians, our bus drivers, are about making Loudoun County Public Schools the very best place that it can be for all of our students. Um, so I think the hypothetical is really unfair.
0: That was Loudoun County School Superintendent Scott Ziegler. There's a lot more in my cover story report on Sunday, October 3rd on Full Measure. To find out where to watch on a TV station near you, you can go to CherylAckison.com and click the Full Measure tab at the top. It'll tell you where you can watch. If you don't have a station near you or if it's more convenient, you can always watch live or replays at online fullmeasure.news. It plays live at 9 30 a.m eastern time and then the segments are posted there after it airs on tv usually by noon eastern time on Sundays. You can watch last week's program in fact right now at fullmeasure.news. We also have a free app called stir s-t-i-r-r. You can download and watch live or on demand anytime and they have a lot of other cool programming that's free movies and entertainment and local news. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted, off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. My new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, is filled with important context regarding the death of the news as we once knew it. Pick up your copy of Slanted today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast, wherever you like to listen. Leave a great review if you like the podcast and share it with your friends. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.